When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from howstuffworks.com. Scott, 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 welcome back. Thank you. Good to see you again. Uh, Good to see you as well. Yep. And uh, for everyone who, who... Hasn't caught earlier episodes. Let's introduce ourselves. Why not? All right. I am I'm Scott Benjamin. I'm the auto editor here at How Stuff Works, and you are. My name is Ben, and I'm kind of the sidekick who asks you questions. <laughs> Fantastic. About cars. That's the way it works. Yeah, and uh, let's go ahead and maybe let's try this out. Um, uh, we talk about a lot of different types of cars. You yeah. know, we've mm-hmm. gone through. I mean, we've just gone nuts on some stuff. Uh, you know, flying cars is still always going to be. A, a little bit of a disagreement between us, but I understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. Sure. Um, so I was thinking maybe we could we could build a bridge back. We could maybe talk about something that we both are, are pretty big fans of. Sure. Muscle cars. Oh yeah. You remember muscle cars? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm from Michigan, uh, Detroit, so muscle cars are all over the place up there. Um, you know, up until well, I just went back a couple weeks ago and. I was shocked by how many I saw just because I had been here for a while. Sure. Forgot kind of like, you know, kind of what it was like up there because that's the uh, that's the weekend car for everybody up there. Um, so I was there on a weekend uh-huh. and Friday evening, sure enough, the, the roads were not packed with them but pretty close. What what kinds were you seeing? Oh, up there? I, everything. I mean, anything you can imagine that came from the big 3 in in that time frame, you saw. Wow. Um, and I, I'd, I'd love to list them, but there's, a, there's so many. And honestly, they, they park in groups. Uh, you know, it's kind of like cruise night. You've, you've been to cruise nights or you've seen cruise sure. nights? Yeah, definitely. It's like that at nearly – I happen to live right near the Woodward area in Detroit. Uh-huh. And that road, um, of course, the Woodward Dream Cruise, and it's really an all-year event now. Um, it's crazy. I mean, there are people sitting in lawn chairs on the side of the road just to watch traffic every Friday and Saturday night, even now. And wow. I don't think the Dream Cruise happens until August or maybe something like that. Maybe they're just trying to get a good seat. <laughs> maybe. That, you know, funny as it sounds, it, people get excited about it this early, and uh, it's, it just seems it's, it's intense up there. It's, it's intensified, I should say. 
Well, what? Okay, when when I guess I guess I was I had an ulterior motive when I asked which muscle cars you were seeing because you know what I what I was really trying to get at. What exactly are muscle cars, Scott? Because I'm oh. hearing some different things. Well, okay. Um, well, there's probably a good reason you're hearing different things, but um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But really, generally accepted, muscle cars are, are really big, powerful, fast cars with with big engines. They're usually loud. These are from uh, you know it's exactly what you think of. They're they're the uh, the Detroit muscle cars. A lot of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two doors, four doors. They 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 hold more than two people. Um, but just big engines, fast cars. You know, you can pretty much pick them out of the crowd. Yeah. That's I, mean, I mean, I would think that, you know, just your general knowledge of what a muscle car is, mm-hmm. you'd probably be able to spot one here or there. Okay, but these are all these, – these are not being built anymore, right? No, that's, that's right. right. That's okay, right. when were they built? Uh, okay, here's – Oh, here's is this where we, where we go this. to yeah. the plot twist? Yeah, this is a plot twist. And you know what? Um before we get into that, and I'm uh, sorry to, to cut you off here, but no. we're going to go back just for one second because there's a there's a strict definition of uh, muscle car, and this strict definition comes from muscle car. Let's see, what is it? Musclecarclub.com. Okay. So I'm, I'm reading this directly from the musclecar.com page. Okay. Um, let's see. A muscle car, by the strictest definition, is an intermediate size, performance-oriented model powered by a large V8 at an affordable price. Now remember that affordable price. Okay. Okay. Uh, most of these models are based on regular production vehicles, and the vehicles are generally not considered muscle cars, even when equipped with large large V8s. If there's a high-performance version available, it gets the credit and not the vehicle that it was based on. Oh. So, okay, okay. that you know that's confusing to hear all that at one time. They also on you know the MuscleCarClub.com site have a list of cars, and this is a pretty interesting list, really, mm-hmm. of vehicles that you know most people associate. With being as being muscle cars, several of the cars on the list turns out, according to that strict definition, do not fit the muscle car definition. I guess because uh, they're too expensive. That's, maybe well, they're too expensive, um, or maybe they were um, uh, they were too a little too plush. They had too many features. They're, uh, they're more of a luxury vehicle. Uh-huh. They cost too much because yeah. you know we said that they have to be affordable. In other case, in other cases, maybe it was that they just didn't offer the right engine. It wasn't um, the V8. Yeah, that's right. That's one. Just again, just expensive, luxurious cars didn't often count as muscle cars. Now, you know, looking back, what do we consider expensive and luxurious wasn't what they considered expensive mm-hmm. and luxurious back then. But well, maybe it's proportional. I'm not sure exactly. But um, there's this real tricky definition that they have to fit. And so this this list is pretty complete. You know, of what what it does include and does not include. And I think you'd be surprised by a few of them that were taken off of the list uh, that that don't fit. Like the Oldsmobile Cutlass is not considered a muscle car. Why not? Um, because only the 442 models were considered. Oh, um, okay. Muscle car. Now the Plymouth Barracuda, not a muscle car. Are you serious? No, it's Plymouth not a muscle is car. just striking out here. Uh, because only the Cuda models were considered the muscle car. So there's a separate Cuda model. The Pontiac Grand Prix, not a muscle car because it's too expensive. Okay. So, I mean, okay. even though it fit every other parameter, it was too expensive. Um, it, there's just a, a long list of these things, and I, I think people should check that out maybe. It, yeah, that sounds it, interesting because that will give you, a, a, again, a strict definition of what it is. Now, a lot of people will, will argue with everything that we have to say today because that's just the way this works. Uh, so, you know, I know that there's going to be a lot of different viewpoints, mm-hmm. and, and we're even saying that right up front that, you know, that even – 
the, the, you got into a question where you asked about uh, what what when were they built? Time period, yeah. Yeah, the time period. Here's how you know widely disputed the time period is. It ranges from get this 1949 all the way to 1978. Depends on who you talk to and everything in between. I've seen 1960 to 1971. I've seen 1964 to 1972. 1960 to 1978. Um, 1949 to 1971, and everything in between. Wow. It really depends on who you talk to. And no one can seem to agree on what the first muscle car was and what the last muscle car was either. But there are a few opinions about it. But, uh-huh. um, you know, the, again, these, these range from, you know, the, the late 40s up to the early 60s for the first muscle car. So that's a, that's a pretty wide yeah. uh, span of time. And the last one, it can go as late as 1974, but some people disagree with that because, you know, they say that the era was over in 1971. That's really interesting. So it sounds like what we've got going on here is a disclaimer to any any of our <laughs> listeners who have uh, particular convictions about the muscle cars. We're gonna we're presenting uh, some general opinions that may differ from source to source Mm -hmm. that's right yeah and we're we're just trying to again just generalize just to get the Mm -hmm. the idea of the muscle car out there and let people know what you know what they are basically yeah we Um, and and what are some examples of just uh something that's like a classic muscle car okay well um i've got there are a few different classes of muscle car and Uh, and i'll get a few examples of those if you like that's awesome okay well um there's a full-size muscle car and um again these are coming from that list that i had the muscle car oh yeah muscle car Um, but i've heard of these classes before there's a full-size muscle car and one example that they use is the chevy impala ss that's a big car Mm-hmm. Huge engine, um, intermediate muscle car Chevelle SS. There's a compact muscle car, which um, <laughs> that's a Chevy Nova. If you know the Chevy Nova, the Chevy Nova is a muscle car. It was considered, car? yeah, and it was considered a compact car. Can you believe that? I mean, looking back now, you know what compact cars yeah. now? Compact yeah. car now is is really small. We have, you know, we have micro cars now. Right. You know, it's not a it's not a little hatchback. This is the Chevy Nova. That was a compact. And um, another one was the Dodge Dart, and my family had a Dodge Dart. Actually, that was our first brand new vehicle. You mentioned that before, yeah? Did I? Yeah, was it a good car? It was a good car. Yeah, we, I, we had um, it was the first car that we bought brand new. Was, of course, I was real little. Yeah, as well. Um, say you weren't driving it. Was like a 1974, I think it was. It wasn't the big engine. It wasn't um, a muscle car. Mm-hmm. It had the smaller six-cylinder engine. Okay. And um, it was blue. We took it on a family trip to. Minnesota for a fishing trip, you know, just camping, fishing, that type of thing. Uh-huh. And we got involved in this hailstorm that the hail was like golf ball size or bigger. And I, I got to stop you real quick. Yeah. I love that you say we got involved with the hailstorm. Oh, yeah. Like, you, like it was a drug deal gone bad or <laughs> something. I didn't know it sounded that funny, but yeah, I guess we were struck with a hailstorm uh, while we were there, <laughs> while we were at the cabin. So, um, you know, we're parked there at the cabin with the lake and everything it was picturesque beautiful this hailstorm comes up every single top surface of our uh, brand new car was was dented oh. and dinged now our windows did not break which was amazing because yeah. we've got we've got photos of you know us holding this this hail that looks like golf balls they're huge mm-hmm. and i mean it would have would have hurt somebody if you were out in it it was that big but every single surface of that car was was pockmarked with uh, with hail marks uh, hailstone marks. Yeah, terrible. Anyways, okay, way off topic. <laughs> there were specialty muscle cars. Um, Dodge Daytona is a good example of that. 
Um, you know, the one with the, well, they also had the Superbird, um, which was the kind with the big wing on the back, um, the, the pointed front end. That's the one I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, that's, that's it. And there was also a pony car. You mentioned these, but I'm still not clear on what pony cars are. Strange name, isn't it? It's a weird name. Okay, strange Pony car is just a small-bodied car with a large engine. So uh, an example of a pony car, now again, small body, you wouldn't think of the, the old Chevy Camaro as being a small body, but the old Chevy Camaro was a small body for the time. Wow. I know. And uh, another one would be the Dodge Challenger, the original Dodge Challenger, not the one that's out now. Yeah. Um, the original Dodge Challenger was also considered a pony car. Which is bigger than the current Dodge Challenger, is it? Mm, no? Uh, I thought, yeah, it might be. Yeah, I, I believe it, it is. I believe it is. So, I believe it is. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's the different classes of, of muscle cars. And um, I don't know, th- there's examples of all of these. I mean, um, again, there were there were... Cars that were just stripped down to nothing, you know, the lightweight was was great. I mean, that was what they wanted. They wanted lightweight, mm-hmm. affordable. So cars that were stripped of options, cars that were um, not as plush inside as other vehicles, those were the ones that were, you know, coveted at the time as being, you know, the fast, you know, yeah. just simply just go fast cars, really. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, what I was going to ask with uh, with these different, these different types we've named again um, – you know, from the intermediate and the compact and the specialty and so on, uh, and pony cars, um, all of these types are accepted types of muscle cars, right? There's no controversy that says a pony car is not a muscle car. Uh, yes, there is. There's there's controversy about all of this. Every, everything. So there there are pony cars on this list that I've got here that are are not muscle cars. Um, let me see if I can find one. Okay, here's one right here. The AMC Javelin is not is a pony car, but it's not considered a muscle car because only the AMX variation or big block V8s are considered muscle cars. Now, the AMC AMX was a muscle car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the difference. I mean, it's the again. Here's another one: Plymouth Barracuda that we talked about before. Because oh, yeah. remember, only the Cuda models were considered the muscle car. So, in every in every division of muscle car, there's going to be this controversy: was it or wasn't it? And some people say yes, some people will say no. Um, I guess, I guess one of the more uh, dramatic examples would be, um, and I don't know if this is really controversial or not, but um, the 1970s uh, Chevrolet Chevelle. It was a mid-sized family car, but the base model had a four-cylinder engine in it, which kind of, I don't know, small for yeah. that size vehicle, yeah. of course. But you could get the Chevelle with a 454, which was um, again 454 cubic inches, okay, big engine. That was considered a muscle car because you know that's that's a version of a vehicle that has a much larger V8 stuffed into it that normally would have a, a smaller power plant. Okay. Now All GTO right. played on this. They um, GTO had a huge engine in it. And you know I, I don't have the information in front of me. I, I apologize, but um, the GTO is one of these that a lot of people consider the first muscle car. And Pontiac actually only thought they were going to sell. I think I saw a number of five thousand. Pontiac said they were only going to sell 5,000 GTOs that first year. Guess wow. how many they sold because of this whole muscle car uh, excitement. Okay, okay. I will I will take a guess. Um, I know it's more than 5,000. Um, I don't think I have a lifeline. No peeking at my notes. I Okay, I will stop looking at your notes. <laughs> You're trying. I, I was trying. I was trying through the microphone screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
No, uh, I don't know, man. Eight, ten thousand, eight thousand, thirty-two thousand four hundred and fifty was the number I saw. Thirty-two thousand. Yeah, as from an estimated five thousand that they they had anticipated selling. So you're talking about just this this craze that was happening. These pe- people had to have these cars. I mean, and it's you see a lot of them around still. I mean, they're yeah. they're all over the place. Um, not as many here as there are in Michigan, but I guess there's good reason for that. Yeah, I imagine. Um, people I imagine that so. built them wanted to buy them as well. Well, also employee discounts. Yeah. <laughs> Come in, I don't I think, think employee discounts had anything to do with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's – well, maybe. I don't know. You know, I, I shouldn't say for sure. Um, but then I guess the uh, the 70s came around they went away. Oh, man, which we have to ask, why did the muscle car disappear? I was hoping you would ask that, Ben. Um, there are th- – there are three very good reasons that the uh, the muscle cars went away. Uh, the first one, the Clean Air Act of 1970, okay. um, EPA standards, uh, that required pollution control devices uh, be applied to vehicles, and that wasn't the case prior to this. So um, horsepower went way down. Uh, the pollution control devices were installed by the factory, of course, on these cars, and they just weren't putting out the power that they would have before. Um, okay. You know, they, they were restricted. And these were not just catalytic converters or anything? Um, well, that, that's part of it, but that's it's, part it's of it, more but than that. More. Yeah, okay. I mean, they were running leaner. There was, I mean, there's a variety of things that, you know, the Clean Air Act of 1970, check it out. There's a lot to it. Um, that, that's one of the reasons. Then uh, there was the oil embargo of 1973. Ooh. Yeah. That's okay. uh, that was bad. There was limited supply of gasoline. That's where you saw the people camped out, um, mm-hmm. waiting for fuel. They had the odd even system, I think, with their um, license plates. Yeah, you know, same way we do water restrictions now. You know, yeah. odd even addresses. They did it with uh, gasoline and um, you know odd even license plates the day they could buy gasoline. And there was a restriction to the amount of of gasoline you could buy in those days as well. And you know, those cars were fuel hungry cars. They weren't. Sure. They weren't very efficient and. This is part of you know all of this built up to mm-hmm. you know the car going away the, the muscle car going away. Um, the last thing, kind of the uh, the nail in the coffin, would be the um, <laughs> and this is touchy right now. This is the uh, the the cafe standards, but these were in 1978. Um, the first time that manufacturers had to um, you know meet these standards was in 1978, and that really really cut into the muscle car production. Um, and break down real quick what the cafe standards are. Sure, that's corporate average fuel economy. Okay. And that means that, you know, the across the board all vehicles have to average a certain miles per miles per gallon. Um mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a truck, car, you know, whatever bus, whatever you make. Um they all have to have an average of a certain uh, certain number, a target number. And if you've got a car that's, you know, getting 4 miles per gallon, uh but it's really fast, you know, great, but um, that takes your your average fuel economy way down. So they wanted to make more fuel efficient vehicles that would have higher fuel economy, and that would help them out on other vehicles that are maybe a little less. Um, I see. So you're averaging this big pool of vehicles um, into to one number, and these muscle cars were just they were too much. You know, they were they were just they were gobbling up the gas too fast. I guess. Yeah, and they, and if they were in large productions. Then that would really bring the average down. That's so. right, and we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of that happening in the near future too with these these latest fuel economy standards. We're gonna see some of the cars that you know the performance cars that we're accustomed to now, because mm-hmm. um, we you know we're kind of in this resurgence of cars like this. You know, the, yeah. You know the uh, we've got the Challenger, we've got this whole SRT line of vehicles, we've got Mustangs that you know look like uh, you know, Mustangs of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the new Camaro, um, and all of these have big V8 engines that are really thirsty. And you know, but the, you know, to be honest, they've got pretty good mileage. However, 
uh, they do bring the the corporate average fuel economy down. If you look at you know if they could replace that vehicle with uh, a much smaller that engine rather with a much smaller engine and get a little bit better fuel economy, sure, it helps them on something like a truck where the trucks only get 14 miles per gallon. Or even if they replace the an entire line with something that's a hybrid, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I hope not, Ben. But yeah, uh, you know, because I hate to see something like this go. I mean, because the, the the new versions of the older cars that we're seeing now, you know, these pony cars. Yeah. Because you know, we're seeing on the road, you you might see a Challenger, a Camaro, and a Mustang that look like they came from the '60s or '70s all together at the same time and they're brand new vehicles to me that's pretty exciting i've seen them on you know magazine covers recently sure. a lot like that that's a, a popular cover right now um but I, I hope that they don't go away i hope that you know they scale back or do something that you know mm-hmm. they can they can keep them around at least and kind of weather this now you know i can't i can't let i can't let the show end without asking I know it's a it's a loaded question since we said there's so much controversy. Uh, the first muscle car could have been in 1949. The last one could have been in 1978. Mm-hmm. 74. 74. Oh, I guess you know what? Uh, you're right. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to oh, step no, on you no, there, no, but no. Um, I've seen one listed as 1974. But with the the range, somebody has said 1978, and I I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what vehicle they're talking about in 1978, but that mm-hmm. could have been the last of them because of the. Uh, because of the cafe standards. I see. Okay. And so our numbers match up. Sorry, I ruined your groove there. No, you ruined yeah, my go. groove, man. You know, <laughs> high-speed stuff is all groove all day. We, we're doing this. But uh, so, okay, what's what's the first one? What, what's the consensus? The consensus on the first one? Well, there is no consensus. Oh, yeah. What, that, what, what are the majority factions? Uh, uh, okay. Well, some people say that it was the GTO, the Pontiac GTO. Okay. And that would have been the early 60s. Um, what year? Well, you're stumping me. Sorry, I didn't write it down. Oh no, that's card that's, doesn't say Bob. <laughs> no, I forget. Uh, I don't have the uh, I don't have the uh, GTO dates. We can ballpark. I cannot it. believe it. On okay, anyways, <laughs> let's move on. The uh, <laughs> the first one going back to the forties, and this is yeah. going to be a surprise, really. Okay. An Oldsmobile, something called the Rocket eighty eight, which was which where they just stuffed a big V eight into uh, a relatively lightweight coupe, and that was in nineteen forty nine, and really that does fit the definition of what a muscle car is because you're taking a, a giant engine, you're putting mm-hmm. it in something that normally didn't have that. Okay, and at a relatively low cost. Yeah, um, but at a very early time. And it's factory. That's the other thing behind this whole thing is that it's you're talking factory performance because when muscle cars came around, this is you know again, we've got all those ranges, but when muscle cars came around, there were hot rods. Hot mm-hmm. rods had always been there. I mean, people had always been tinkering with their cars and sure. they were taking them customizers. But you got to imagine that that's pretty expensive as it is now. Yeah, um, it's it's costly to take your vehicle to someone and have them upgrade or update it. Um, but this was factory offered low dollar performance and that's really what a muscle car is all about. And I think, yeah, I think it works because from the invention of, of high performance autos, the majority of car buyers cannot afford, you know, a Bugatti. No, uh, no, no. You're talking supercar performance and price. Right. And, um, yeah, that's, it's just out of the reach of most people. So this was something that you know, kind of the uh, the everyman could have and enjoy, and we hope that uh, we hope that this can continue with the the modern resurgence. Um, so we might, I guess, we might need to keep an eye on the the way the fuel economy standards affect the the modern muscle car. Yeah, well, yeah. the modern version of the muscle car. And please, say. somebody write in and tell me the uh, the date of the first GTO because <laughs> I'm 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 embarrassed. 
but please do it, and it would help me, and I will, uh, I'll read it on there. We would love to congratulate <laughs> you on air, you guys. I've turned bright red here. Scott, yeah, Scott is cherry red here. He knows he knows a lot about autos. and uh, get, gets... Not enough, apparently. Oh, Not come the, on. Uh, You're way too hard on you yourself. Know, my uncle had a GTO that he used to talk about. Um, no, see, we're getting into it. Let's take one more minute, and uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. My uncle had a GTO, and it had, I think it was called, um, he, had, he had three double barrel carbs on it and i guess it was just the fastest car around i mean it was just he he loved that car talked about it all the time yeah i had a trans am when i was I had, that was my first car oh wow trans cool, am now man. it wasn't really a muscle car because it was a 1978 trans am but it yeah. did have a 400 cubic inch engine and it had a four barrel carb and i'll tell you the thing about that that was that it was it wasn't necessarily fast off the line it was quick you know uh-huh. it was powerful but uh, it was so fast between, let's say, like 60 and 100 or 120 or whatever it was. Yeah. Super fast. I mean, you couldn't keep up with me between those speeds. It was like the second set of barrels would open up and, and man, it would go. I mean, it would press you back in the seat as long as you kept your foot on the pedal. That's it was, crazy. It was fun. A lot of fun. Do you, do um, you still have it? Do you want to sell it? <laughs> I do not have it. No, it's long gone. I'm sure it's... Uh, you know, probably soup cans or something. By oh now. man, yeah. come on! <laughs> now, where should we? Maybe we can close on this. Where should uh, people go if they want to learn more about muscle cars? Oh well, they can come to our site. We've got a ton of uh, material about muscle cars. Um, but you know, just comb the web. You know, you're able to find information from the manufacturers because a lot of them will have history sections where they will talk about the the muscle car history from their own their own perspective, and uh, that's pretty interesting. But enthusiast sites are you know the place to go. Um, you know, aside from the How Stuff Works articles we've got, and um, I think even Consumer Guide has some of the stuff on used vehicles, you know, that you may mm-hmm. want to read. Um, but really, go to some of these enthusiast sites and these club, you know, car club sites. Uh, you'll find the best information. Just talk to some people, some older mechanics, and see what they say. Awesome. I bet that's probably talking to older mechanics is a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, so to our listeners there, before you guys forget, just want to just want to mention again, that, that Scott officially, and this was your idea, we didn't talk about this, Scott officially has invited you to write an email to us with the uh, with the date of the GTO, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? I'll probably get several different responses the way this uh, this category is. Yeah, I the mean, way things are shaping up. Yeah, I up. know, the way that there's just controversy abounds in this uh, in this category, so we'll see. Yeah, and, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. The email is highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.